0: RadioCalusa.com. Welcome to the March episode of A Garden Runs Through It, a podcast of the UC Master Gardener program of Calusa County, produced by RadioCalusa.com. I'm Jerry Hernandez, your host and coordinator of the Calusa program. On today's episode, I'm joined with Master Gardener Donna Critchfield.
1: Donna, Tell us about yourself. Not a lot to tell. I'm a native to this area, born in Yuba City, and my family moved to Calusa when I was six years old because my mother wanted me to be educated in what has become now a traditional school, not a one-room schoolhouse, which I would have attended had we remained in the country. Beginning at age four, I was assigned a small area in my mother's vegetable garden where I could plant flower seeds. I loved having my hands in the dirt, and I loved watching those seeds sprout and grow into beautiful flowers. So I guess I would say I was born to garden. Thank
0: you, Donna. March is coming to an end, and April brings some gardening chores. Donna, what should we be doing in our garden this month?
1: Well, by now, you should have planted any bare root trees or shrubs in your garden, and you may not find any bare root stock in the nursery if you go looking now. You can still plant in containers or wait until next winter for more bare root stock. Don't plant tomatoes, eggplant, and peppers until the night temperatures are 55 or above. Summer blooming plants such as canna, gladiola bulbs, and crocosmia bulbs can be planted now. As far as maintenance in your yard, you'll want to prune and fertilize spring flowering shrubs and flowers after they finish blooming. But do not remove the green growth from spring bulbs as leaving the greens on the plant nourishes the bulb for next year. You can fertilize the bulbs with bone meal. Fertilize roses, annual flowers, and berries with slow-release fertilizer when the spring growth begins. Fertilize citrus and deciduous fruit trees. Keep on the weed patrol. Pull them when they are small. Postpone planting summer vegetables until the night's warm to 55 degrees. To prevent the slugs and snails from eating up your plants, use iron sulfate bait to control them, or go on a night hunt or early morning hunt and kill them when you find them. Check your irrigation system and correct any problems now watch for aphids on new growth on roses, spray with a strong steam of water to remove them, or use insecticidal soap or horticultural oil spray. Thank
0: you, Donna. Boy, the weeds here sure have been crazy this year. They're even coming up through my mulch, which is unusual. So we have some upcoming events. We're going to have a free steam kit for young kids available Kits are available on the first working day of each month at our office. We're going to have a tomato planting workshop at our demonstration garden in Williams on April 9th at 10 a.m. We'll also be at the Family Fair drive through event on April 17th. We have 100 kits to give out. We will also be at the Virginia Reed event on April 24th at Davis Ranches. It will have information about native plants. So Donna, you wanted to talk about a topic
1: today? Yes, I'd like to talk about pruning my camellia, but I'm not able to do that just now because it's blooming um, profusely and the best time to prune camellias is when they're finished with their bloom. So I'm putting that off, What I'm doing in the meantime, I'd like to share with the listeners. The best time to prune the camellias, as I said, is shortly after their blooms have faded or you have removed them by deadheading. In the meantime, I'm going to be cleaning in my yard. One of the most important lessons I learned in my master gardener training is that a critical part of successful gardening depends on sanitation. I have been weeding and removing the accumulation of leaves and debris that have overwintered beneath my plants being careful to properly dispose of any noxious weeds or leaves that look diseased. When I find diseased leaves that are harboring insects, along with weeds like catch straw bedweed and dandelions, I enclose them in a plastic bag and dispose of them in the household waste going to the landfill and not in the green waste that's going to the compost. Invasive weeds should never be added to compost. While compost is an excellent addition as a mulch or for adding tilth and nutrient to your soil, if it is not processed at a high enough temperature to destroy those seeds and organisms that foster disease, it can spread weeds and diseases when applied. If all gardeners were diligent about preventing noxious weeds and disease-bearing debris from entering the compost stream, we might lessen those annoyances in our yards. While weeding and cleaning up, I will also remove any weak or unsightly branches on spring and summer blooming shrubs and remove them. I do not want to fully prune those shrubs now in order to preserve the spring color they will soon have. However, removing weak or unhealthy looking branches will increase the health of the plants and promote better blooming. While I'm doing this, I will also remove any main stem growth that is closer than 12 inches to the ground. This will make it easier to clean away fallen leaves or spent blossoms that are in and around the plants as they continue to grow during the summer. Once the weeds are removed and the garden is tidied up, I will fertilize with a product that helps to balance the soil and adds nutrients to keep my plants healthy and producing better bloom. In the springtime, I use an inorganic fertilizer applied around the base of the plants. Before choosing a product, it is important to know the pH of your soil, and there are some simple tests you can perform at home, or you can have your soil professionally analyzed by a soil laboratory. One of the most simple tests to perform at home is to scoop out a handful of soil a few inches below the top soil. It is better if the soil you scoop out is at least slightly damp. Squeeze the soil in the palm of your hand. If the dirt crumbles, it is loam or sandy loam, which will support growth of many varieties of plants. If the dirt sticks together, it is probably a clay-type soil. This is important to know because plants need water and oxygen to survive, along with certain minerals in the soil, and nutrients. Because the molecules in clay soil clump together, it is more difficult for the plant roots to take up oxygen. Compound that with the premise that, that clay and clay-like soils will tend to be alkaline rather than acidic. Plant choices will be limited. More supplemental minerals and nutrients will be needed for plant health. In our area and Colusa County in general, the soil is predominantly clay-like with high alkaline content. There are other indications of that high alkali, When large cracks are apparent on the surface or when the soil remains moist and green mossy-like growth appears, or when wet footprints will make deep indentation and the soil stick to your shoes, or sometimes a white powder-like substance will appear on the soil surface. There are ways to neutralize and balance the soil so plants will be healthier. The type of soil you have will also dictate water use in your garden. Loose, loamy soils will drain faster than heavier clay soils. Since most plant failure is caused by over- or under-watering, you need to know what type of soil you are dealing with. There's much more to be said about soil, but that is enough for today. Soil science is a topic for another time. I happen to know that the soil in my yard is clay-like, with a high pH. That means an abundance of alkali, and it is deficient in magnesium. So I will apply a product containing magnesium sulfate to help my other nutrients absorb better. By the time I have all of all of this under control, I've tidied up the garden and I have done my watering and my fertilizing and some minor pruning. Hopefully the camellias will have finished their bloom and then I can move on to them. Before I start to prune my camellias, I will clean around the bottom of the plants cleaning up any leaves that have fallen or any blossoms that have accumulated underneath. And pruning camellias is really no different than pruning any other shrub, except the fact, as I said previously, mine are very overgrown. So I will do more pruning on them than I would on a shrub that's just its normal size. Keep in mind that the reason we prune our plants is to keep them healthy and attractive. And they will thank you by producing glossy leaves and beautiful blooms. My camellias are well-established, as I said, so general principles will apply, but there will be more removal than I would normal. It's normally safe to prune one-third of the plant's limbs at any one time. And in this case, I may reduce the plant size by slightly more than that, maybe even up to one-half because of the space limitation before i begin i will assemble my tools i will need good fitting gloves to protect my hands and help me keep a good grip on my hand tools which consist of clippers loppers and possibly a saw if there are branches too large for the smaller tools to easily cut through before i begin i will disinfect my tools by washing them thoroughly in soapy water to which i will add a little household bleach then i will dry them and check to be sure they are very sharp, so they will make nice clean cuts with no ragged edges. If they are not, I will sharpen them with a sharpener designed for that purpose. Clean cuts will reduce the risk of disease-causing organisms entering the plant or injuring it by tearing the bark. The basic principles of pruning to remember are remove all crossing branches, remove diseased wood, remove dead limbs, remove any downward-facing branches, which we call downriggers. It is good to write these five principles down for quick reference later. Your first step will be to look at the interior structure of the plant for any branches that cross over another, any dead ones, or anything that looks diseased. In this case, I will pay particular attention to see if any leaves are yellow or curled and remove that branch. This could be a sign of blight or other disease. I will also cut any branches that are growing downward, the downriggers. All of these branches should be removed at the main stem without leaving any stubs. This will help prevent disease from entering the wound or scratching me the next time I prune. The next step will be to thin the plant to open it to sunlight and air circulation. To do this, I will be looking for branches that are forked and remove some of the smaller or weaker forks. For example. If a branch contains three forks, I will remove the middle one. If there is still too much density, I will remove another until I leave only one fork or may even cut back to a bud. When doing this, cut even with the bud to lessen the chance of disease entering and to prevent unsightly stubs. Be careful to not cut through the bud, but just very slightly above it. This will prevent those stubs And allow the bud to form a new leaf cluster at the end of the branch. After this, I will step back and take a critical look at the size and symmetry of the plant. Is it too tall? Too wide? Is it well balanced? And if not to my liking, I will correct that by gently pruning offending branches to shorten them. Remember to cut at a bud growth, but not through it, to create a new leaf cluster. To make the plant look more like a tree, You can remove all branches growing from the main stem that are less than one to one and a half feet above the ground. When the plant has the height and shape I want, I will rake up and remove all remaining limbs or debris that has fallen. It's very important when growing camellias to be sure that the ground under and around the plant does not contain any fallen leaves or any fallen flowers, as camellias are very subject to blight. Blight left untreated can even kill a very large established camellia plant. After you've done the cleaning around the plant and disposed of the pruned limbs and any other debris that's there, apply a balanced, slow-release fertilizer around the base of the plant, but not touching the main stem or trunk. Follow all directions for application and avoid over-fertilizing. Sprinkle the fertilizer with water to stabilize and soften it so it is more easily absorbed by the soil. Do not soak the camellia at this time. Established camellias only need one good deep watering in the spring after recovering from being pruned and another deep soaking in the fall. Winter rains will do the rest. Keep the area and the plant clean and tidy while you enjoy watching as glossy green leaves and bloom at the end of next winter. After this, I will look forward to April when it is a good time to plant dahlia tubers and transplant most perennials from the nursery or those grown from seed. As night temperatures warm to consistently over 55 degrees, you can transplant tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers, and you can still plant seeds as cilantro, radishes, Beets and charred. As you're thinking of maintenance in the yard, be sure you fertilize shrubs and trees once this spring. Watch azaleas and camellias for yellowing between the veins and the leaves. If the leaf is yellowish, apply chelated iron to the plants. Trim the dead flowers but not the leaves from spring bulbs. The leaves restore the bulb, so wait to remove them until they turn yellow. Fertilize the bulbs after the bloom with bone meal. Apply organic mulch to all beds to keep the soil cool and enrich the soil. Now sit down in your garden and enjoy the result of all your hard work. Keep gardening. Thank you, Donna.
0: I know you talked about camellias
1: a lot and they are blooming right now. Um, What colors do you have? Blooming right now, I have just a beautiful double pink that I don't remember the name. And I'd like, can I tell you something about my camellias? Mm -hmm. When I moved to the location where I am now, my husband wanted camellias. And my friend told me, don't plant camellias. They won't grow in your area. And I am in an area where the soil is heavily alkaline. I added a lot of compost to the bottom when I planted them. I bought them at the nursery in POTS added the compost in, made the hole very large, composted around the base of the plant. It has grown to be a tremendous bush, almost as large as a tree. And everyone who stops by my house or if I've taken blooms somewhere comments on how I grew that lovely, beautiful, double pink camellia. It is just loaded with blossoms right now. And the one next to it is a deeper red. It's more of a normal size and plain, more of a flat bloom. That's all I have in bloom right now.
0: Yeah, I have um, a white camellia that blooms uh, around Christmas time. And then I have a beautiful pink one. It's not a double one like yours, but it is beautiful. Uh, It's blooming right now. And then about when it's done, a
1: red one will bloom then. Are your roses budding out? Yes, just barely. Not budding really yet. They they have their leaf growth on. Maybe one or two are forming some buds. I was late getting them pruned this year. I'm a really a fair weather gardener. I'm not one to go out in the freezing cold weather and prune my roses. So. I agree with you. <laughs> so I waited for a few better days and it was a little late. So they're a little bit behind schedule, but the leaves are gorgeous right now.
0: Yeah, mine are um, starting to bud out. I'm really happy because I got all 18 of them pruned this year, which I don't think has ever happened. And um, I'm really excited to see what they're going to look like. So we had a question come into the office. It was on coastal redwoods and that um, they're dying. So we just want to mention that coastal redwoods are native to coastal California, not the Central (laughs) Valley. They only last 10 to 15 years in our climate, no matter how many the big box store will sell you. So please don't plant coastal redwoods. For more information or insightful tips and gardening hints, visit the Master Gardeners of Calusa County on Facebook Or visit our website, cecalusa.ucanr.edu. And on Facebook, you can actually find a tour of Donna's garden. It's very beautiful. Remember to sign up for our monthly gardening newsletter. A link will be in the notes of the show. Do you have a gardening question? Send an email to glhernandez at ucanr.edu. Donna, thank you for joining me on another episode of our podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to A Garden Runs Through It, a podcast of the UC Master Gardener Program of Calusa County, produced by radioclusa.com. Until next time, keep those hands dirty. Calusa.com.